You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Amen. All right, so if you turn with me this morning to the book of Romans chapter number 10, and I just wonder this morning, why are you here? Why are you here? Uh, <laughs> some of you saying, good question, preacher. I, Wondering the same thing myself, but why are you here? But no, I don't just mean here at church today, um, but I, that, that's a good question as well. But why are you on the face of this earth? Why has God put you on this earth? Why has God put you in the family, in the community uh, that you are in? What is your purpose? And I can tell you one thing, I can tell you two things for sure today. Number one, if you do not know the Lord as, you, as your Savior today, uh, I believe one reason you are here, if you're here at church today, or if you're hearing this message, is to uh, so that you can know the Lord as your Savior. Amen? Uh, God's not willing that any should perish. I mean, He so loved the world, whosoever will may be saved. It is God's will uh, for you to be saved. Uh, but I want to say this, if, you, if you're saved, God has a plan for your life. I'll say this, if you're not saved, God has a plan for your life. It's to be saved and He's got something for you to do. But if you're saved, He's got something for you to do. And that kind of brings us in a little bit to Romans chapter number 10. Uh, if you would look with me in Romans 10, and I want to begin reading in verse 9, just to pick up kind of where we were at last week. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Uh, this is a message of salvation. And I want to remind you just real quickly of the context of the chapter. I don't want to be uh, remiss in missing the, uh, the interpretation of the passage. He's dealing with the nation of Israel. He's dealing in chapter 9 with the, the sovereignty of God toward the nation of Israel uh, and the church of God. But then he begins to deal with human responsibility in uh, chapter 10. But a lot of the background about what's been addressed is the nation of Israel and the Jewish people. But the point that he's trying to emphasize is this, whosoever will may come. And uh, that the salvation that's presented to Israel is also to us. And that's kind of a big point of chapter number nine. But he's explaining the transition from the Old Testament to the New Testament to them uh, in short. And so last week we began to look in verse nine where the Bible says that if thou shalt confess with uh, with uh, thy mouth, the Lord Jesus. And that was kind of the context of what we launched off of last week because we talked about how, how the Lord is, how God is the Lord in creation, how that all creation obeys him because he is the Lord, but he's also the Lord in salvation. And that's to say this, the Lord is to be obeyed and salvation is to be obeyed. And that just simply means to believe and accept what Jesus Christ has done. And it tells you how to do this, but it says, if thou shalt, uh, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. But it's not just the mouth. The Bible says, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. To confess it with your mouth and not to believe it in your heart that's an intellectual thing, but it's not a spiritual thing. And then to claim that we believe it in our hearts and not confess it with our mouths, that's incomplete as well. We need to believe in our hearts, confess with our mouths um, that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Verse 10, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. 
The implication there is just simply this. It's not that you've got to proclaim that you are saved in order to be saved, but the idea is if you, if you are saved, you will say that you're saved, or you'll be able to proclaim and make the confession that you are saved. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on Him shall not be ashamed. For there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon Him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so, He is the Lord in salvation. But today I want to emphasize this, and it's the question about why are you here. And that's this. He's also the Lord in our service. He's the Lord in our service. Notice what the Bible says in verse 14. How then shall they call on Him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet the feet of them that bring the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. And uh, I like to do this as we go through these New Testament passages, but Romans 10.15 is a quotation from Isaiah 52 verse 7 as well as Nahum chapter 1 verse 15. Verse 16 says, But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Isaiah 53 verse 1, He says, Lord, uh, who hath believed our report? Verse 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That verse couples well with our uh, Sunday school hour, which I want to encourage you on as well. We, uh, some people hear Sunday school and think of kids. We could call it an adult Bible study hour if you want to. But the point is, is we get down and we study some good things uh, during the 945 hour. So I encourage you to be here for that. But then he goes on in verse 18. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, that their sound went into all the earth and their words unto the ends of the world. Um, verse 19, But I say, did not Israel know? First Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people. And by a foolish nation, I will anger you. That's a quotation from Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 21. Verse 20, but Isaiah is very bold, and this is Isaiah 65 verse 1, Isaiah is very bold and saith, I was found of them that sought me not, I was made manifest unto them that asked not for me, and then Isaiah 65 verse 2, but to Israel he saith, all day long I have stretched forth mine hands unto a disobedient and a gainsaying people. And so, He is the Lord of service. Now, I want to say this, that the, the, one of the big emphasis that's being put beginning in verse number 14 is this, is that salvation has been provided for all men, and so therefore it needs to be proclaimed to all men. Uh, it needs to be proclaimed to all men. Now, in the context of the passage, to give a, a good interpretation of the passage and understand the message to Israel we see that it's really un unreasonable that they would not believe the gospel. And now, the direct application, the direct interpretation belongs to Israel, but it's the same for all. It is, it is kind of unreasonable that people would not believe. Unbelief is fairly unreasonable. And here's the reason why. Number one, because 
People can believe. Why? Because the unique power of God's Word makes it possible to believe. The power of the Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing. Israel refused to hear. Matthew 11 verse 15, Jesus said, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Just imagine that. He was preaching to a group of people like I'm preaching to today that had physical ears and were able to hear what was being spoken. But he's saying you need spiritual ears to hear and to apply what you're hearing to your life. Often people consent to listen, but they fail to hear. I hope you will hear what I'm telling you today. I appreciate you listening, but I hope that you will hear. The energizing power of the Word guarantees that those who hear and respond will have their faith quickened. Those who hear and respond will be saved. Those who hear and submit as God's people will be blessed. And so we see the rejection of the nation of Israel is the context, but we still also deal with the rejection of those around us today. The rejection. What is the remedy for the rejection? Folks, it is the power of God's Word. The unique power of God's Word and also the universal proclamation of the Word of God. Every person can believe. Every person can confess. Every person can call. Nothing more is needed and nothing more is acceptable to God. So believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, and call on the Lord and you shall have salvation. I mean, confess that you're a sinner. Turn to Him. Call on Him. Repent. He will save you. But when we get into this, verses 14 through 16 is what I really want to try to emphasize uh, this more. I'm sorry, verses uh, 14, really on down to the end of the chapter, I want to try to emphasize, and that's this, uh, that, that if we obey the Lord in service, the way we will do that is by proclaiming, making the word known. How shall they hear without a preacher? Are you saved here today? Do you know Christ is your Savior? If so, man, we ought to just stop and shout hallelujah for a little while. Amen. What a blessing it is to be saved. What a blessing it is to know the Lord, to know the free pardon of our sins, to be a child of God, to have the peace of God, to have this great treasure. And we have, not only do we have this great treasure, but folks, we have a responsibility and a privilege to be able to share that with other people. So we obey the Lord in our service by proclaiming, by providing, by providing. What do we provide? We provide an answer as we'll see in just a moment. People, ought to, uh, people around us have, a, have questions about God. People have questions about our faith. We need to proclaim and we need to provide the Word of God as an answer to what they have to say. And then lastly, provoking. Provoking the way we serve the Lord and obey the Lord in our service by proclaiming, providing, and provoking. God speaking to the nation of Israel said, through the Gentiles, through a foolish nation, through people that are out worshiping all these heathen and ridiculous gods out there, they're going to they're gonna willingly accept me. And by their willing acceptance and my consequent blessing of the Gentiles, this should move you, Israel, to be jealous and to say, man, 
We're missing out here. God's blessing them. We need to get in on these blessings as well. And did you know that we as God's people need to be provoking a lost and a dying world? Not provoking them to anger or to wrath, but we need to be provoking them to this, to this extent, saying, man, what they need is what, what, what they have is what I need. Whatever they got is what I need. Amen. Our lives ought to provoke somebody to say, man, I want to turn from my sin. I want what they have. And then we can tell them it's not about what I have. It's about who I know. Amen. And it's about who I have. Praise the Lord. And so there's a provoking factor, proclaiming, providing and provoking. I like what the Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verses 14 through 16. This is just kind of a continuation of that. Romans 1, 14 through 16 says this, I am debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. I am debtor. Now I'm glad that the Bible, the Bible discourages debt. As far as financial debt is concerned, it, it encourages you to try to stay away from debt if possible. It tries to encourage you not to become a slave to someone. But I'm telling you, and, but this is a different kind of debt. He says, I am debtor. Debtor in what sense? I have something that this world's need. Paul says, I am indebted to a lost and a dying world around me. And I want to tell you today that every one of us who have been given this wonderful privilege to be saved are debtors to a lost and a dying world around us. We have something that we can give them. We have something that we can bless them with. And it's the truth. It's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here's what the Apostle Paul goes on to say. For I am not ashamed. Well, let me go back. He said, so since I am a debtor, here's what he says. As much as in me is... I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Back when I was, I guess I'm still a young preacher. Once made man's right there. Anyway, but back when I was first started preaching, uh, we haven't done this lately around here. We need to get back to it again. But we would have, it was a regular thing to go to these youth meetings or revivals or whatever, or even just come to church. And as a preacher, the preacher, Brother Andy, I'm sure knows about this, it would not be uncommon for the preacher to say, uh, Brother, come on up here and preach five minutes, ten minutes, whatever. And so we'd just be in a meeting and they'd say, the first five preachers that, that can get up here uh, are going to preach five minute messages or whatever. And I remember one of those times I was at my home church in a youth meeting, first five preachers. And, man, and then what do you do? You don't walk up there, you know, dignified. You got five minutes. And a lot of times if they'd tell me to come preach a five minute message, if I had five minutes, that means from the, I, I got up out of my seat telling you to turn to the Bible and I'd preach all the way up to the pulpit. Then I'd preach all the way back to the pew again because I had five minutes. And, uh, and it started from that point. But here's the point. One time I remember I got up and said, I, I'm now ready to preach. And then I just preached for, for five minutes. And then my pastor's son got up right after me and said, the time of his departure is at hand. Amen. Uh, and so, but, but Paul said, I'm now ready to preach. I've got a debt. Folks, listen, when it comes to the Lord of our service, when it comes to what God has called us to do, when it, I'm telling you, it's a blessing. It's a blessing to be able to serve. It's a blessing to be able to proclaim. It's a blessing to be able to tell someone about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a blessing to be able to get into God's Word and to be able to provide an answer to every man. Therefore, Paul says, I'm ready. I'm ready. Man, that needs to be the attitude of every one of us today. I'm ready. Amen. 
I'm ready. I'm ready. I mean, just ready to go. Why? Because I've got a debt and I want to get the message out. Amen. I want to get the message out. Paul was ready. He was anticipating. I'm ready to preach the gospel. Then here's what he says. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. Unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You know, when uh, I believe it was when Alfred, uh, was it Alfred Nobel that invented uh, what became known as dynamite? He was trying to come up with a good name for it. And, and someone said, well, the Greek word, uh, a good Greek word for that would be dynamo. Dynamo. Because it means explosive. It means powerful. And so they got the word dynamite from the word that's used for power right here. It is the power of God in the salvation. Amen. It'll change people's life. I mean, and, and see, so here's the thing is I should not have to convince you that it'll change people's life. Because if you're saved, your life has been changed by the gospel. Amen. Hallelujah. So we can know that if God can save me, he can save you. Amen. And if God can save DJ, He can save you. And it's pretty cool if you just look around. That's one of the cool things about a church. Because within a church, you have people from all kinds of different backgrounds. We have people that were extremely religious and, and tried to live uh, by, by some strict religious code. Uh, trying to be saved by works before they were saved. Well, guess what? They finally saw themselves as sinners and got saved. Amen? So that, that religious person that's so... Uh, lost in the darkness of their religion. Guess what? They can be saved. Like some of you were like that before and were saved. Uh, the, the, the drunkard and the druggie and the, and the whatever else, the cool guy, whoever, it doesn't matter, amen. They can be saved, amen. They need to hear the gospel. Uh, the tough guy, there's some tough guys in here today. You, God saved you, isn't that good? And so we look at them and say, you know what? If God could save Dan, God could save somebody else, Amen. I mean, the cool guy, I mean, just think, you see a cool guy, you say, man, you know what, that could be the next Chad, amen? I'm just trying to make him feel better about himself. But anyway, uh, God can save you, the young person, the old person. Man, uh, Miss Jean's not here today, but I'm telling you, isn't it a blessing that when we, when we started this church uh, back in 2011, when we had our very first service, uh, there were several of you that walked in the doors on that very first service when I preached behind that pulpit that Brother Andy Collenbach made. Uh, but, but there were several that walked in, and one of those was Miss Jean come in there. And uh, Miss Jean, a religious woman for most of her life, she was, she was Lutheran, she was, she, was, she was hoping that that would be enough to get her to heaven, but guess what? She heard the gospel, amen, and she got saved. And so when you see that really, by the way, we need to know something here. Just because you meet some nice elderly lady doesn't mean she's saved, amen? Gray hair doesn't make you saved, amen? Going to church don't make you saved. We need to share the gospel with these people. We don't need to assume that they're saved. But you want to know something? Most of them probably aren't. They need to hear the gospel. They need to hear the love of Christ. We need to ask them, do you know Christ as Savior? Oh, honey, I've been a part of the church for years. Not what I asked you, Grandma. Amen? Do you know Christ? Amen. And be respectful and nice and, and hear a story or two. I mean, but listen, uh, share the gospel. I, I remember, I remember an 80-year-old man walking, in, walking into that same, same storefront. He said he would never. Uh, his friend, he had some friends that invited him to come. Nancy and Rachel and others said, yeah, come on, come on to, come on to church. You want me to? He found out it was a Baptist church. I'm not going to Baptist church. He was a, he was a Catholic man. He was a Trudeau uh, from the area. I'm not walking in that. I'm not going in that church. Are you kidding me? Uh, 
And then he saw it was a storefront. I, no, I am not going in there. But guess what? They convinced him and old Bob came in anyway. I think the first time he was there, I was teaching on some of the fallacies of Romanism. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Didn't even realize he was uh, a Catholic. But anyway, but you know what? Man, he liked it. And he got to the point to where he would bug his friends if they weren't going. We gotta go. Let's go to church. And and listen. So he started coming. He started hearing the message. He started enjoying it. And I'm glad that I was able to go uh, before Bob died. And he was over here in the nursing home. I was able to go over there and say, Bob, you've heard me preach. You've heard me talk about the gospel. I said, and, and I was ready to try to defend all these uh, questions he might have, but through the time of him coming and hearing the message, God had already softened his heart. And he says, I know I need to be saved. I know I don't know where I'm going, and I want to be saved. Amen. And 92 year old Bob got saved by the grace of God. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? That's wonderful. And, uh, and so, you, you, I mean, doesn't matter where they are. My point is, the gospel is the power of God and the salvation. God is still saving sinners, and He lets us have a part. Yes. He lets us have a part. And so, are you ready? Man, get ready, amen. I mean, listen, to share the gospel. Now, here are some things that we got to understand. Before people can be saved, they must hear the message. They've got to hear the Word of God. Yes, creation preaches all the time. Constantly, 24 hours a day, creation preaches that there's a God. But you cannot be saved through acknowledging that there's a God of creation. That acknowledging there's a God of creation can help lead you to salvation. But you've got to hear the message. You've got to hear the Word. God gives man a conscience. He gives every man creation. He gives every man a conscience. But those things can help lead a person to Christ. But in order to be saved, folks, they've got to hear. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Now, our lives ought to provoke people to wrath. Our lives hopefully will provoke people to say, what's different about you? Why do you live the way you live? Why, why, why are you joyful all the time? Why do you handle trials as well as you do? And child of God, that ought to be our testimony, by the way. And I'm not trying to pick or anything like that, but I'm telling you, God can give you grace through whatever it is that you face where you really don't have to be miserable every day of your life. Amen? Amen. And you don't have to be one of those crabby people. Amen? You don't have to be one of those people uh, that get up every morning and just uh, stick a, I mean, just guzzle down 16 ounces of vinegar every day before you head, head out the door, you know? And you don't have to be like that, amen? I mean, you can be a joyful person. You can have the joy of the Lord. I know that we all got different personalities. I understand that you don't have to be outgoing and obnoxious like me. But you can be, you can at least smile, amen? You can at least say, when somebody asks how you know, man, I'm blessed. I'm blessed, amen. I mean, listen, you, 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 I mean, we, we can have that. I mean, just as quick as we could snap at somebody, we could just tell them the Lord's good, maybe. Or whatever. I mean, listen, so uh, it, it, they need to hear the message. But I want to sh show you a few things here in this passage. Notice here what the Bible says. How then shall they call on Him whom they've not believed? So it says they've got to call on Him. How shall they call on Him whom, whom they've not believed? Believing, folks, listen to this. Believing is passive. Calling is active. How say they believe on Him whom they've not called? Believing is what we think about Christ. Calling is what we do about Christ. It's not enough to say that we believe. 
It's only enough when we act on our belief by calling on the Lord. Faith is not merely acquiescence to, but it's an acting upon. And acquiescence is just a way of saying, fine. That's what acquiescence is. It's a reluctant acceptance. It's just to say, okay, I'll go along with it. No, folks, it is an active acceptance of what He's done for us. So He says there's an active calling. How shall they believe on Him whom they've not called? But then there's, a, there's a, the hearing. Notice what it goes on to say. How shall they call on Him whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in Him whom they have not heard? I've already said verse 17 many times, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. One must hear before believing in Christ. We must communicate to others that believing in Christ is a firm, definite act by which they place their trust in Him for salvation. Those who believe become the children of God. The Gospel of John 1.12 Pass from death unto life and have received eternal life. The Bible says this in 1 Peter 1.23, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth and forever. How are we born again? By the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Man, I was encouraged to do something really uh, that was really good advice when I first got saved by God's grace. Uh, and I'll tell you how it really came about. Uh, it came about when I had the privilege, when I was in the 11th grade, I was, in the, I was a junior in high school when the Lord saved me. And lo and behold, uh, an assignment within a month or two after me being saved was we had to, we had to write a paper, kids. And then we had to get up, give up and read it to the, to the whole class. And here was the subject, <clears throat> the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Would you believe that? Amen. God's in that. Amen. Amen. The greatest thing that's ever happened to me. And I knew right then. Well, I know what the greatest thing that ever happened to me was Amen. when I got saved. So you know what I did? I went and I started memorizing a gospel tract. I've shared this with you before. I would memorize the verses of the Romans Road. And I know, you know, people talk about the Romans Road and the Philippian Bypass. You don't have to have the Romans Road uh, to be saved. But you do need to hear the gospel. And those are some good verses that make the gospel very plain. And so I memorized those verses. And therefore, I could share that with people. And, and by the way, by God's grace, I did get up in front of that class scared to death to get up there and read about the greatest thing that ever happened to me was. But I was able to get up there, man, and just give a clear presentation of salvation. Amen. The Lord's so good. Yes. But, uh, but listen, a hearing. You, one must hear before they can believe. That's what it says here. How can they believe on Him whom they've not heard? They must hear. Oh, well, everybody around here has heard of Jesus. But I got, a, I got a qualifier for you. Which one? Which one? There's a lot of Jesuses. And I'm not talking about Jesus out there, you know, that's, uh, that you work with. I'm, I'm talking about a lot of Jesuses in a doctrinal sense that there's a lot of people that say they believe. Uh, we do work with the Jesus, amen. Uh, but uh, but it's, it's not Jesus, amen. He would claim that, but it's, it's not. Um, the Bible warns about another Jesus. And when I say which one, here's what I mean. The Bible actually warns in 2 Corinthians 10 that there's another spirit, another Christ, another gospel. Oh, I believe the gospel, which one? I believe in Jesus, which one? Now, there's only truly one Jesus Christ in, you know, in, in the technical sense. But the application is this. When you hear about a Jesus that says you've got to be a part of a certain church and that's a part of your salvation, that's a different Jesus. 
If you if if it's a if it's a Jesus, I'm glad the Bible says that Jesus is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. But Jesus, my dope smoking homie, different Jesus. Different Jesus. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. Amen? I mean, listen to me today. I mean, Jesus Christ, this Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? He's the virgin-born Son of God. He's the one that came to this earth to die for our sins and to be raised again the third day so that we could be saved. He's the one that we can know as our Savior. He is Lord. He is Savior. He's one that we can know. And so, uh, Jesus, amen, people need to hear the message. So, how can they call if they haven't believed how can they believe if they haven't heard and then notice what it goes on to say verse 15 or I'm sorry the end of verse 14 uh, and how shall they believe in him whom they've not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher how shall they hear without a preacher now don't all of a sudden say well I'm dismissed from this portion of the message because yes it is talking about a preacher preaching the word of God but I'm telling you the word of God can be communicated and preached in many different ways as I was studying for this there's a woman that came to my mind and it's the woman at the well the woman at the well man listen that woman she was she she had been she had been I believe divorced five times she was living in sin with the man that she was currently with and Jesus forgave her of her sins and when Jesus forgave her buddy she left her pot at the well and she went back into the town where she was from and she said come see a man that told me all things ever I did she said I want you to meet this Jesus amen See, she wasn't a preacher in the sense of because God doesn't do that, but what she, she was a preacher in the sense that she was sharing the message. Amen. Every one of us can share the message just like she shared the message. Every one of us have the privilege to. Amen. Uh, telling. If calling requires believing, and if believing requires hearing, then hearing requires telling. Most people come to Christ through someone else. One way or the other. I'll tell you one thing. You know, a good, people, a good way to get people to Christ is to get them to church. I've heard that most people get saved in church. But man, you don't have to be in church to be saved. Amen? But, but, but people that get saved, they hear it from somebody. Somebody. God has used, chosen to use human instruments to reach people. Acts chapter 20, verse 20, the Bible says, And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, and have showed you, and have taught you publicly, and from house to house. He went into the homes of different people and was able to share the gospel with them and share the word of God with them. See, I believe by God's grace. Now listen to this, church. Here's where I want to get practical with this, all right? Using means... Using the means that we have available to reach people where they are. And I would say to use means within the parameters of Scripture, amen, which is the only way to really reach people. Now we could put a bar in the back and have more people come. But I question whether or not we are reaching their souls, amen? Uh, so there's some people that say, oh, we got them coming. 
Well, good for you, amen. I mean, but but uh, but, but but reaching them within the parameters of God's word. But that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean we can't think outside the box. That doesn't mean that we can't think differently. That doesn't mean that we can't be creative with ways to reach people with the gospel. And by the way, folks, uh, that does not mean that we cannot be a blessing in the way. Just like Miss Nancy got up here and shared uh, so uh, wonderfully a little bit ago about just being a blessing, amen. Providing, helping provide uh, gifts and. and a meal for some families that may be in need. Show the love of Christ. Amen. Tell them the love of Christ. Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. I mean, it's a blessing. Amen. Uh, uh, so we need to reach people where they are. The earth's population is approaching. It's approaching 8 billion people. Researchers say, now I'm going to go on the big scale, but then I'm going to try to bring it right back down to us here. But on the big scale, 8 billion people in the world, researchers say that close to 2 billion of, uh, of these people have never even heard the name of Jesus. Most people we know, and I, I'm, I'm not kidding you here, most people that you and I know have heard the name of Jesus, but it's not the right one. Or they haven't heard the truth about Him, the, the, the whole truth about Him. But listen, two billion. Can you imagine that? Never having heard the name of Jesus. And by the way, you want to know something? Did you know that the early church reached the known world in their lifetime? And did you know as, as staggering as eight billion people sounds, that if, if every Christian, if literally, if every Christian in this church, just in this church, would win one person to the Lord this year, Disciple that person to where they could lead where they could lead someone else to Christ next year, and that and, and you just continue that pattern. Literally, uh, within uh, probably eight years, I think eight years, you could reach like ten billion people with like twenty people, theoretically speaking. As big as the numbers sound, it adds up really quick. But we got to go. We got to tell. We got to love. We got to show. Uh, but listen, uh, and, and, and most of these people live in a, in a region of the world known as the 1040 window, which is 10 degrees and 40 degrees north latitude, uh, which is nor, mo, most northern Africa, Middle East, Asia. And there's over 5 million of the world's population that live in that small, uh, relatively small window. So that's where praise God for missionaries. Amen. I mean, listen, thank God for what this church is doing for missions. And we're going we're gonna to try to get that before you. I mean, every single service, you're going to walk in here and see missions. Because thank God for those people. Because God has not called me to go to some of these other areas in the world. But guess what? We, we can have a part in helping reach the world, amen, through these missionaries. That's why we support missionaries. That's why we want to support them. We want to pray for them. We want to support more. We want to be a part of it. I want to help people that are helping get missionaries. I think about the Macedonian home office and different ones but there's missionaries but so, so so that's a big thing and we can have a part and do have a part in that but one of the practical problems of people imagining the church as a building you still with me one of the big problems of people imagining that the church is a building and that's, that's one of the things that we've got to guard against we knew when we were in a storefront we weren't proud of our building were we i mean not in the sense of oh you got to come see it you wouldn't believe I mean, if, if the wind blows just right, you can still smell the aroma of the laundromat just coming through the pipes. I mean, it's a beautiful place. You know, I mean, that's not the way we were over there. But we've got to be careful now in here to be saying, oh, yes, look, we now have a church. We had a church over there, people. And it's us. Amen. The church, the church is a movement, not a monument. 
That's what the church is. I mean, listen, that's what it's about. But when people begin to imagine that, the, the thank God for the building. Because why? Because it can help us and aid us in reaching souls. And, and discipling believers. And growing and working in ministry. And we want to use this building for those purposes. So thank God for the building. I, I mean, we don't want to uh, minimize that in any kind of way. But folks, when people begin to think it's the church of the building, they forget the fact that we are the church. And that means this. Listen, we, the church, we are to impact our homes. I may have got the homes' attention right there, amen? You need to impact the homes, Mark. But, uh, but no, we need to impact our homes, amen? And that's where it starts. The church is to impact our homes. It's to impact our neighborhoods. What difference can you make in your home? What difference can you make in your neighborhood? What difference can you make in your community, your school, the schools around you? With the gospel. I mean, listen, uh, it's, it's easy to get our priorities out of whack. Please listen. This is the message I want to get to you. It's easy to get our priorities out of whack or never have them ordered to begin with. Child of God, listen to me. What I'm trying to say is sometimes, often, we place too much time and attention in the physical and temporal things. In that which is physical, that which is temporal. And the eternal things suffer. Now that's not to say, just in case you turn me off, that we don't show some attention and some emphasis to the physical and the temporal things. But what it is to say is this, sometimes I think we get kind of topsy-turvy with that. See, it's just that the demands of the temporal kind of never stop. The demands of the temporal can dominate our lives to the point that we are not investing in the eternal. Young people, we are not saying no so that we can have a greater yes. That was yesterday's wonderful message preached at the youth meeting. We need to be willing to say uh, there's uh, to, to, to not allow the temporal to dominate our lives to the point that we're not investing in the eternal, including our own spiritual growth. I appreciate Joel's humble prayer request. I wonder how many of us could, could pray along with us with Joel to say, pray for me, I need to get into the Word more. Amen. And, and you, you know the best way to get in the Word more? Get in the Word more. Amen. Uh, but we know how challenging it can be. But do it. Amen. I mean, commit to it. But, but, I, but, but, that's, but that's sometimes easier said than done. We all, I think we can all appreciate that. Uh, and so, uh, so I appreciate that so much. We were each born uh, to be saved. And we were all born to serve. Now please, this is, this is what God gave to me this morning. Think about the anxiety and depression which result from a temporal emphasis. Every one of us have been given the divine privilege to serve Him. True joy is not found in taking in as much, taking in as much as we can. True joy is found when we are vessels, conduits through which God's blessings flow. No matter your personality, no matter your temperament, no matter any of that, there is an opportunity for you to serve. 
I've got good news for those of you who have no desire to have your name called. No desire to stand up on this pulpit. No desire to uh, be noticed and, and out front and everything. There's something for you to do too. And God help us as a church. I want to make that easy. Amen. I'm just, I, I want to get, I'm really praying about this week and you help me pray about it. Just some ways that every single person in this church can be involved in ministry serving somehow. And I'm telling you, there are so many opportunities. There are so many needs. There is plenty that needs to be done behind the scenes. There is plenty that needs to be done. But if you do not find an outlet for those blessings, I'm telling you, those blessings quit coming in that same way. And we get so focused and distracted by the temporal that we miss out on the great eternal blessings. We miss out on the great blessing it is to let God flow through our lives. Amen. Remember, He said that the, when the Spirit of God comes, the Bible says He's going to be, He's going to flow like rivers of water through you. Every one of us were saved to be a river, Amen. not a reservoir. Amen. Not a reservoir. And so we need to be proclaiming. We need to be providing. We need to be provoking, amen, by the grace of Almighty God. God wants to use you. God formed you. Listen, listen to me. You were put here for such a time as this. It's no accident that you are here this day. It's no accident that you are here this time and this place. You are here for such a time as this. God has a purpose. God has a plan. You need to find where you fit in. Oh, my friend, listen. You are here on this earth for a greater purpose. Will you be willing to submit? Will you be willing to surrender? Will you serve? Will you find greater, true joy, peace, and fullness that comes with a life that's lived for a greater purpose than ourselves? Our wonderful Lord has this available for every one of us. The question is this, are we available for Him? Amen? You don't have to be talented. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to be good looking. You don't have to be healthy. All you need to do is to be available. Be available. I'll close with this as we all stand, please. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, listen, whom shall I send? There's a need. Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, Lord. Here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. Can you trust the Lord with your life? I'm going to make a big challenge out here today. I wouldn't do this if I didn't feel like I'm supposed to do it. But I want to challenge the members of Elk Point Baptist Church. Would you be willing, as a sign of humility, to gather in this altar with these that's already come and just say, Lord, here am I. Would you be willing to step out and humble yourself right now? Some are already coming. I'm not forcing you. I'm not trying to put nobody on the spot. Matter of fact, I'd like every head bowed, every eye closed. 
I'm just asking you, would you be willing? That's right, just step out, just come on. Oh, I've never come before. Well, there's a good time, amen? You don't have to kneel. There's some that just physically cannot kneel. You know what they can do? They're coming in, they're standing. You can come and stand. Will you be willing to say, here am I, Lord. I'm willing to fill in. I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. God has made you the person you are for a purpose. Are you willing today to say, okay, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. I want to do what you want me to do, Lord. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, dear Lord, for the great, great privilege. I thank you for saving my soul. And my prayer, God, is there's anybody here today that's not saved, that they'll come and be saved before this service is over. But God, right now, God, I want to pray with my brothers and sisters. Those that have come, Lord, those that maybe were a little reluctant to come. God, I pray that together, right now that we can pray, Lord, here am I. You came for me, Lord. I will go for you. Whatever that means. Some may, be, some may have to say, Lord, I am scared of what you may have me do. God, I'm scared that you may have me do something that I do not want to do. But Lord, will you please help me to be willing? Give me the courage to trust you. If you love me enough to die for me, Lord, you love me enough to trust me. And I can trust you. Lord, please help us with that, God, I pray. Together, dear God, help us, God, to have the attitude. And maybe we could be even like the, the man that prayed the prayer. Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. Maybe there are some of us that need to pray, Lord, I, I'm surrendered. But God, help that part of me that's not surrendered. Help that part of me that I'm holding on. I'm holding back. Lord, please help me.